0: boy. Uh, every summer my dad would leave our home in Missouri and spend three weeks sneaking into and out of the communist countries of Eastern Europe. They brought all of
1: TCM, all of us, into their networks in order to do something new.
0: Because of the Marxist ideologies that governed those countries, it was illegal to be a Christian. It was illegal to start a church. So my dad spent part of his summer training and encouraging the pastors who led those underground movements.
1: And that something new was together to figure out how do you develop disciple makers with graduate education attached to it that can be accredited. This is a pretty
0: tall order. When I was a freshman in high school, I had the privilege of traveling to Vienna to see the work of TCM firsthand. And I was absolutely blown away by the faith of those church leaders and the vision and passion of the staff at TCM to educate and equip them.
1: But because this was their mission, it became our mission as well. And so God opened just amazing doors over over these last couple of decades, taking us places we never thought we would be going.
0: And having seen a lot of different ministries around the world, I can't think of any that have been as effective for as long as TCM has.
1: It's the Great Commission, but really built on the foundation of the Great Commandment. And that's powerful.
0: And I hope it's still around for my kids to be a part of. Because I know there will be thousands of people in heaven for multiple generations that will be able to trace their faith heritage Back to the dynamic ministry of T.C.
2: Good morning, church family. How are you doing? Can I say Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Awesome. You look good out there. Just want to welcome you here today. Hope you're having a great Christmas season. We have a special guest guest singers today. It's Sweet Spirit. We want to let you know that tomorrow they'll be in concert right here at 6 30. So give them a warm welcome as they sing for us today. stand with us as we sing today. Father, we just wanted to just invite you into this place, God, as we lift your name high, God. Through this Christmas season, Lord, we want to always remember it's the gift that you gave us. You sent him in his lowly state, Lord, so that he could have a relationship with us and that we could know him and have eternal life. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's worship together. Come
3: on, sing it out. Come all ye weary, come all ye thirsty. Come to the well that never runs dry. love of his goodness, find what you're looking for. Come, all you sinners. Come, all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to
4: the table, he will satisfy. Taste of
2: be seated real quick.
5: Morning, church. Man, it's good to see you guys. It's good to be with you here today. Uh, For those of you that I might not know, that might not know me, my name is Luke Dove, uh, and, and I'm a missionary in Guatemala that you guys support. So I'm just back here for Christmas Uh, visited my family and visited my home church, and it is so great to be with you guys this morning. They asked me to do the communion meditation today, but before I do that, I just need to say thank you to you guys. I live in Guatemala, like I said, and I work with a ministry called Caranino, and and those words may sound familiar because you guys uh, helped to make Christmas for my students. A couple months ago, you guys collected and gave those bags filled with things you went out and bought, and and you put them somewhere, and, and it probably left your mind. Right, but I just want to say thank you all because for me those aren't just bags and those aren't just things, but it's a tangible symbol of your generosity and they're not just going to some random kids in a different country, but they're going to to my students, whose names I know, whose stories I know, whose houses I've been in and and, and meals shared with their families, and I know what that gift and what that generosity means. I was preaching the other week in in the ministry about generosity. And one of the kids said, how can we believe in a generous God when we don't have enough to eat or enough to wear? And obviously that just breaks your heart. But those gifts, though they may be little, stand in as a symbol of God's love. Of not only does the God of the universe love them and know them by name. But there's also these people in Shelbyville, Kentucky, a place They've never heard of or could never find on a map who are praying for you and thinking about you and wanted to give you this to have a Christmas So the caranino ministry what we do is is it's an after-school program in the slums right in the ghetto It's in the, some of the worst places of of Guatemala City this massive city of millions of people and and we come in there In these violent and broken and dangerous and poor places and we try to share about that love We do lots of other things too. We have educational reinforcement and and we help them in their academics. We help them try to get job training and and skills that they can use in their life to help break those cycles of poverty. But it's my job as their youth pastor to to share exactly that, what you guys shared and what we heard in that song. It's my job to stand up there more often than not sit with them, not in front of a class, but just sit one-on-one and share about the God that loved the world so much that he sent his son. Because that's who I preach to, just to the same people that are mentioned in that song and the same people that are here in this room today, the weary, the thirsty, the tired, the broken, the abused, the addicted. And my kids live in poverty worse than I could have ever imagined when I left Shelbyville. <laughs> and yet there's still that hope. There's still that message. There's still that Emmanuel, that idea of God with us that them in the middle of their slum in their shack with their tin roof and me and them sitting there crying together I can tell them about the God that left heaven and came to earth and died for them by name that knows their heart and that knows their story and that's what we do (laughs) we preach that message over and over every day we remind them when they forget it we tell them, perhaps, for the first time. And we do life with them. And that's our ministry. And if that's something you want to be a part of, man, I'll be around after after service, in between services. I'm, I'm around all the time, right? Come, come find me. I'd love to talk with you about that, get you on the newsletter, get you in the know. And our ministry and what I do is only possible because of Like I said, your guys' generous support. And if that's something you want to participate in, that ministry, all around the room there's those black boxes, and on the side of those boxes you'll see red envelopes. And those red envelopes are are from the Together offering, which you guys have been hearing about. And all that money will go directly to missions to support students like mine and places like Guatemala that you guys are supporting all over the world. So if that's something you want to be a part of, that opportunity is there. And then Christmas Eve as well, you guys will take up a special offering. But the transition into communion, I I love communion, right? And I'm a pastor, and that's, you know, that's what what we like, right? Um, But I love it not only because it reminds me of the vertical relationship of that, like I said, the Emmanuel God with us, but because it connects us horizontally. Because I know when I'm taking communion in my church in Guatemala, that there's also a bunch of people here in Shelbyville, Kentucky that are taking communion, that are remembering the sacrifice that God gave for us. And it also connects us with the thousands and thousands of people over the years, the Christians that have also shared in remembrance of him. And it just makes me think and it reminds me and shares with me the same good news that even though you guys may not know who your bags are going to support or who your you know, finances and resources are going to support, that one day we're all going to be together in heaven and you're going to get to meet those students. Students that I know, students that I love just as I know and love many of you guys, and one day we're all going to be there together, and there won't be language barriers, and there won't be distance, and we won't have to just remember what the Son did. We'll be there with Him. And so as we transition into this time of communion, I just ask that you take some time and reflect on that, on that story of the Emmanuel story, the God who came and walked among us, and lived and died for you and for me and for all the little kids in all the corners of the world that he cares about deeply. I'm going to pray and then let's take communion together. God, I just give you thanks for this morning. I give you thanks for every one of the people and families represented in this room, God. I give you thanks that you left heaven behind and came to love us. God I give you thanks that you're still writing our stories that you're still here in our midst today help us to remember that help us to live every day with that in mind that that gospel reality would take a hold of our lives God I pray for for Guatemala for our students for the many students that don't have someone that knows and loves and cares about them and the people all over the world whose names we might not know but God we know you do God, I ask you to help us to go out from this place and change the world as we love you and love each other. Amen. Let's take communion.
3: name.
6: God is with us. Dave started this series with God with us in the valley. Last week, Jason talked about God is with us in the wilderness. And this morning, we're going to be talking about God is with us through the storms. If you have your little phone with you, or if you got your Bible, open to Mark chapter 4. This morning, we're going to be looking at one of the greatest storms in Scripture. Lee was a seven-year-old boy and was asked to say grace at their Christmas dinner. So the family members were all bowed their heads in, in expectation. Lee began his prayer thanking God for mommy and for daddy and for grandma and grandpa and his brothers and his sister and his aunts and his uncles and his cousins. Then he began to thank God for all the presents that he had received that morning, naming them one by one. Then he began to thank God for the food. He thanked God for the turkey and for the stuffing and for the potatoes and the sweet potatoes and the Christmas pudding and even the cranberry sauce. Then he paused and waited and waited. And people got a little nervous. And he looked up to his mom and he said, if I thank God for the Brussels sprouts, won't he know I'm lying? (laughs) Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. As evening came, Jesus and his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving crowds behind, although other boats had followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, "'Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown?' When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Disciples were utterly terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, today's text, we find Jesus and his disciples on a literal sea. And we can learn much about our voyage through life by looking at this passage. All of us have at times been storm-tossed. And some today may feel that they're about to go under. Well, there is peace and stillness on the way for them if you can listen to the voice of God through His Word this morning. Now, let's start off with remembering that the disciples were led into the storm by Jesus, they followed Him onto this boat. Now, some believe that storms come for Christians only when they rebel or are in sin and disobeying God, but that's not true. God's will isn't always smooth sailing. This kind of storm was not out of the ordinary for the Sea of Galilee. Now, we wouldn't even really call it much of a sea. It's only 13 miles long by 8 miles long. Our great lakes are bigger than the Sea of Galilee. One thing you seem to understand is that the Sea of Galilee is between these mountains. And so this cold air will flow over top of the mountains and hit the warm, moist air over top of the water. And suddenly a thunderstorm will appear. Kind of like here in June when we're outside and it's not a cloud in the sky and 30 minutes later we have a severe thunderstorm. You know those kind of days? And that's just how the storms of life come, aren't they? One minute the sun's shining, next lightning's flashing, thunder's booming, the winds are blowing, and the waves go wild. Think about Mary. This young girl had a great storm in her life. The angel appears to her and now she's pregnant. How in the world is she going to tell her parents Are they going to believe her? And what about Joseph? After sending his betrothed off to visit her cousin, she comes back and she's showing she's pregnant. Imagine the storm that he must have felt in his life at that moment. Or the shepherds who are out in the middle of their fields and the angel appears and tells them to go. You find the babe wrapped in cloth lying in a manger. And they leave their sheep and go to Bethlehem. Or the wise men who after visiting Christ Jesus were told to avoid Herod and go home a different way. Storms arise suddenly and violently without warning. If you have ever known sickness and disease, you've been in the storm. If you've ever known heart piercing grief, you have been in the storm. If you've ever been betrayed, or forsaken, or cheated, or hurt, then you know the horror of the storms of life. Financial pressures can do the same thing to a person or a family. You can lose your job, your bills are missed, the debts pile up, and it always happens when you have no money, that's when your car breaks down. That's when your refrigerator quits. That's when you don't have a washing machine anymore. Now, it's like dancing around in lightning bolts, unsure where the next storm will strike. Now, storms come into our lives for a variety of reasons. Sometimes we blow up our own storms. Sometimes our own actions, our own sins cause storms in our lives. And we can see that in the life of Jonah, the Old Testament prophet. God told him, "I want you to go down to Nineveh and preach the gospel. Preach repentance." And what did Jonah do? He decided to get on a boat and go the opposite direction and ended up in the belly of a whale. Now, that's a storm. Some storms God creates himself. Like in John chapter 6, we see after Jesus fed the 5,000 people, they wanted to move to make him king at that moment. And Jesus and the disciples had to escape and go out onto another boat to Caternium. Why? Because I believe he did it to divert their attention from something that would have caused a bigger problem in their lives. Sometimes God sends us a little storm to keep us out of a bigger storm. Now some storms are satanic in origin. The devil himself is the source. Now most scholars think here in this story Satan was trying to take Jesus out. Jesus said, be still. Now in the Greek language, there's a funny word in Mark. It's called epidemato. And it means literally to muzzle a dog or to strike. It's a violent word. Jesus violently rebuked Satan in his storm at that moment. Now sometimes Satan kicks up a storm in our life to get us off track. The story of Job is a great example. Or on one occasion, the Apostle Paul said, I would have come to you, but Satan hindered me. Try that with your boss next time you're late for work. (laughs) Another reason I believe the devil was behind this storm, because it was extraordinary in nature. You got to remember that some of these disciples were fishermen spent their entire lives out on this sea. They were used to storms, but they were in absolute panic. So we have a problem. We have a sinking ship, and to make matters worse, we have a sleeping savior. Verse 38 says, he was asleep with his head on the cushion. Now, Jesus was a man, and I'm sure he slept every night like the rest of us. But this is the only time in Scripture where it talks about Jesus being asleep, and it's in the middle of a storm. Now, have you ever been in a storm in your life and it seemed like God was asleep? Where are you, Lord? Don't you know what's going on? Don't you care? I know when I go through a storm, I feel like I have all the answers. I know what the Lord ought to do. I know how he ought to do it and when he should do it now. But there are three hard lessons we have to learn when we're in a storm. One, God knows what's going on. Two, God doesn't work on my timetable. And three, God is with us, Emmanuel, in the storm in his way in his time he does not need a wake-up call he never oversleeps he is always on the throne and in full control remember the story of Lazarus Jesus and his disciples were sent word by Martha that their brother Lazarus was really really sick and Jesus needed to come Jesus decided to hang out where he was two more days. Then he had to make his way to Bethany to where Lazarus was now dead. Now, as soon as Jesus starts coming, they tell Martha. Martha runs up to him and she says, If you would have been here, our brother would not have died. Or other words, well, look who finally decided to show up. Hope it isn't too much of an inconvenience for you. It might interest you to know that my brother Lazarus is dead now. But we know the rest of the story. Lazarus was raised from the dead. It may seem sometimes like God is asleep or late. But we need to remember his ways are higher than our ways. And though God is sometimes early, he is never late. One time a man asked the Lord, is it true that 10,000 years to you is just like a minute? God said yes. The man says, is it true that a million dollars on earth is like a penny in heaven? God said yes. He said, Lord, then I can have a penny. God says in a minute. What you do in the middle of a storm says a lot about who you are. In verse 38, they were saying, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, what is your first impulse when you get into a storm of life? Do you run to your friends? That's not entirely bad if they give you godly counsel, but it's not the first response you should have. Maybe you try and run to the nearest exit. You try and make your way through diversion like drugs or some other form. But the storm will still be there when you get back. And maybe even worse by your bad behavior. The disciples went to Jesus first, as so should we. Character is revealed in the storms. The storms of life will either grow you closer to the Lord or further away. But no one will emerge on the other side of the storm the same way they went in. Either you become bitter or you become better. Now there's a contradiction in their prayer. Lord save us is the language of faith. We're going to drown is the language of fear. Now, isn't that just like us as humans to try and have faith and fear at the same time? Yet they're mutually exclusive. They're spiritual opposites. Faith and fear cannot cohabit in the same heart at the same time. When you're looking at the storms, you are filled with fear. But when you are looking to Jesus, you will be filled with faith. God, as 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. In verse 38, they have fear is looking at God through your circumstances, but faith is looking at your circumstances through God. C.S. Lewis wrote in The Magician's Nephew, What you see and what you hear depends a great deal on where you are standing. You know, we can see that in our children. If you've ever had little toddlers, little grandchildren, and they run around and they fall down, if no one's watching, they don't cry. But as soon as they see mama, ah, tears come running down. We all need to learn to weather the storms of life, not just pray for them to go away. It should calm us to know that wherever we're going through, God is not shocked. He is not wringing his hands in despair and wondering what's next. He is in full control. Someone sent me this this week. I think my plan is perfect at the top. But God's plan is a little different. I have to go through the storm, I got to go through the valley, and I got to go through the wilderness, and then I see him. Sometimes God doesn't do things the way we think he should, but God has a perfect plan for your life. The worst storm in my life happened in 2014. After years of playing football and running track and being overweight, my knees are just shot. And I went in to have a full knee replacement. I went through the surgery fine. Everything was great. Ended up in a room. Nurse came in and said, you want some pain medication? I said, yes. (laughs) But after taking it, I died. And I was in a coma for five days. And when I woke up, I had a brain injury. I didn't realize it for a year what was really wrong. The doctors explained it this way. With someone with Alzheimer's, you open they open up a book and there are no words. For me, we opened up the book and all the words were in the wrong order. I had to think about every single word I said. And for a preacher and a teacher, that doesn't go very well so my church that I was preaching in fired me. And here I am only knowing how to either teach or preach and not having a clue what to do in my life. And so I went to work at Lowe's in Shelbyville. I worked there for 6 years. And I eventually got a job at Cornerstone and worked there for 5 years and I just look at how far God brought me through that storm. There were times when I was bitter. (laughs) And there were times I know how badly that hurt my children. Seeing their dad get fired from a church. But even through going through the valley and depression and all those things, I realized that God brought me through the storm to bring me here. I didn't think I'd ever be preaching ever again. But I thank God that I'm here. He calmed the storm in my life. He doesn't always do this. Sometimes he calms you, his child. Always he keeps us safe till the storm passes by. The problem that day was not the storm or the sinking ship or the sleeping Savior. It was the unbelief in the hearts of his disciples. Jesus asked them, why are you so afraid? But it was through that storm that the disciples were able to see the power of God. They were able to see him overcome nature itself through that storm. Realize that God is with us in the storm, but we need to listen to his voice. There once was a lawyer who was out in the Aleutian Islands. Now show the picture where the Aleutian Islands are. They're right below Alaska, all those little bitty islands right there. He was making his way back to Anchorage, Alaska, and then home. He had a ticket in his pocket to fly to Anchorage, but a pastor he had met while he was there came up to him and said, listen, I can save you some money. The lawyer asked how. He said, well, I happen to have flown my own plane up here, and I can take you back to Anchorage in my little plane and save you on your ticket. Now, to the lawyer, this didn't sound like a very good idea. He said, thank you very much. I'll just use my ticket and make my way home with this other friend of mine. The pastor said, no, no, you got to do it. And after about 15 or 20 minutes of trying to persuade him, the lawyer finally said, okay, against this better judgment. So they made their way out to the airport and the pastor took them to the little plane. The lawyer looked at it and said, well, at least It's shiny pastor walked around it and made sure everything was alright, they got in the pastor sat on the left in the pilot seat, the lawyer sat in the right in the other seat and their friend sat in the back seat and while they were all sitting there They got in the plane, began to start up, no problem whatsoever. The lawyer said, are we going to pray first? And the pastor said, well, I don't usually. He said, well, I am. And so for the next eight to ten minutes, he gave a heartfelt prayer to keep them safe. They made it out to the runways they had taxied. And the plane takes off beautifully. For three or four minutes, it's flying just wonderfully up into the sky. Something happened. The pastor, pilot turned to the lawyer and said, We're about to go into clouds. I can't fly in the clouds. They make me pass out. The lawyer said, The clouds make you do what? It's been cloudy all day. They go right up into the clouds. They can't see a thing. The pilot looks right at the lawyer. His eyes roll to the back of his head. He mumbles a little and passes out cold. The lawyer grabs him, shakes him and says, wake up so I can kill you. (laughs) His friend in the back seat as they're flying around with no pilot says, "Uh, we're going to die, aren't we? Lawyer replies, well, it's a very good chance of that. Well, then what are we going to do? He said, well, there's a radio right there. Let me hand you the microphone. Why don't you call and see if there's anybody who can help us? So the friend in the back seat says, hello, hello. A few minutes later, somebody came back on and said, hello, don't you know radio etiquette? And the lawyer tells him, no, we don't know anything. We're on a plane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this thing. The man says, well, I'm a freighter pilot out in Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And you're telling me you have no one who can fly that plane? He said, that's correct. And by now, these two men are sweating bullets. The freighter said, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start circling because I'm headed to Tokyo and if I go much further, I'm going to lose radio contact with you. I will try and get in contact with Anchorage Emergency for you and they might be able to help you and try and save your life. After about five minutes later, Anchorage Emergency came on, and after explaining their situation, the man said, the first thing we need to do is find you, for my job is to get you home safe. But here's the deal, if you want me to get you home safe, you have to promise to obey my voice. You can't see me, but I'll soon be able to see you. And if you aren't going to obey my voice, you are going to die. Now, when you are in the middle of a storm, all you can see is the storm. And it's so disorienting. Finally, the emergency worker came back on. He says, okay, I found you. Now, let me be clear. You are four minutes from a mountainside. If you don't change course, you will crash into it. Follow my voice. Now, the lawyer didn't say, "Uh, why do I have to follow your voice? My voice is good enough. He'd say, what makes you the authority that I have to follow your voice? No, he realized that if he didn't follow the voice, he was going to die. Without God's voice in your life, you have nothing. The worker then got turned and said... I'm freezing all the airline traffic in the area. It's gonna take me about an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. There are storms between you and Anchorage. You are in for a rough ride. But I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look outside the aircraft. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm. Just my voice. If you start watching the storm, you will die. But I will bring you through it. Now, because they had cleared all the traffic, pilots from all types of aircraft started talking to him, saying, We're praying for you, men. You're going to make it, but you need to listen to the voice. It is the key. Trust the voice. Do you ever think about how many voices go on in our heads? With social media and our friends, all these things trying to take control of our lives, all these different competing voices. But God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your guide. Now, they had made it through the worst of the storms, but there were still more. The emergency voice came back and it said, I am going to line you up. I'm going to bring you right down the runway. At the foot of the runway are some lights and they are in the form of a cross. Don't forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, as he's bringing them down, they still couldn't see anything. He kept saying, stay with me. Follow my voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Just a couple of hundred feet off the ground, they saw the cross. After seven tries, he landed the plane. The minute they stopped, the pilot woke up. Imagine that. <laughs> but the voice said, thanks for listening i have watched them crash and burn because they would not follow my voice they don't understand i am the one who can see them even though they can't see me but they listen to the voices in their heads and they die they self-destruct thank you for listening to the voice do you understand that one day you are going to stand before God and He will know if you listen to His voice? He is with you, Emmanuel. Listen to the voice that can bring you through any storm in this life. This Christmas, your head is full of voices. Do you listen to the voice of Emmanuel because he is with us he is with you don't leave this morning without listening to the voice of God who is telling you to come home land your plane listen to his voice he can bring you through any storm maybe you're going through a huge storm this morning If you are, I would love to pray for you. Maybe you have never trusted the voice, the true voice of God. If so, Jason and others will be over here. Be wonderful to talk to you this morning. Listen to the voice. Let's stand together. Father God, we just praise you. We thank you, Father, for your voice that comes not in the great wind, not in the earthquake, but in the still small voice. Thank you, God, for your voice that brings us through the storms. Father, I know there are some here this morning that don't know your voice, but are hearing it now for the first time. Father, I pray that you would guide them home. And Father, there are others that are going through great storms in their life right now that just need to hear your voice again. Father, we'll be waiting. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing this out.
3: Higher than the mountain that I face Stronger than the power of In the trial and the change This one thing remains This one thing remains Your love never fails and never gives up Never runs out on me Your love never fails
4: and never gives up
7: things really, really quickly. First of all, anybody can hang around just for a couple minutes after this over and help us put up the curtains before next service. That would be awesome. As you came in this morning, you should have gotten a little piece of paper like this. If you didn't, there are plenty of them out in the lobby. Greeters out in there as well. This is our annual vote for our budget and for our elders next year. It's a vote of affirmation. Uh, we only vote on one thing a year. We do it, and we do it quick, okay? So the budgets have been out there. The full budgets have been out there for weeks now uh, on one side it shows just the kind of summary of that and so when we vote affirmatively on the budget we're also saying we'll support the budget with our giving and on the other side it shows the list of seven men uh, who have agreed to serve as elders for 2023 it's an awesome awesome group of guys Uh, they have been vetted by the current elders and everything like that interviewed with their wives and all that Uh, and so we ask you to vote uh, for them um, we do, by our bylaws, require that if you vote no for any of them, which is fine, it's your option, but we do require a spiritual reason as to why. Uh, when you're done with this, just fold it up, drop it in one of the white buckets or in the offering box on your way out. Like I say, if you didn't get one, there's some on the tables back there, out in the lobby, and people have them as well. Uh, remember our service times coming up this week. Regular Thursday night service at 7, three services on Saturday at three thirty, five o'clock, and 11 o'clock at night for christmas eve and then next sunday this service will not happen next sunday morning christmas day we'll have 11 o'clock service only because we know a lot of families will be doing stuff with family. so you'll either come on saturday or sunday later whatever so thursday at seven saturday three thirty-five, and 11 next sunday morning 11 o'clock let's get out of here go love god love people and change the world we'll see you guys